0: hey guys it's kp here we got a regular episode for i'm very excited about of course this one is free just like always if you want to get the exclusive bonus episodes jump on over to patreon where just for three or five dollars a month you get full access to all of our back catalog you send me your address we'll send you some merch man real quick i just want to plug a couple of upcoming dates i have of course you can find all this stuff over at kp burke on facebook i keep up with that one on the regular at kp burke sucks is the instagram there's also ones for the show uh cape it's uh, you know american loser podcast over on facebook and American Lizard Podcast on Instagram. So check me out on both of those things over there. Upcoming shows I got, I just want to plug really quickly. Friday the 30th, I'll be out in New Hope, Pennsylvania. John and Peters, my good friend, uh, Anna Lepoli. So we're going to be doing some time over there on that show. That's a great little place. Mike DiAlto runs a great room. So come on out and check that place out. I believe it's one of the most haunted towns in America too. So LP, that was your spot, right? Back in the day to hang out in Trenton? That was a, that was a, a, a cheap date. Yeah. Ride
1: out to New Hope. Go take your chick out, man.
0: On July 31st, I'll be over at Tiff's and Morris Plains at the Dojo of Comedy with my good friend, Joe Conti. Very excited about that one. Due to a clerical error, Joe is headlining. Um. (laughs) Uh, Also, other stuff I got coming up, man, I'm very excited about is that uh, Monday the 2nd and Tuesday the 3rd of August. It sounds strange for Monday and Tuesday, but I will be uh, out part of the New York City Takeover Showcase at Sunset Strip Comedy Club in Austin, Texas, baby. So come on out, guys. If you're a regular listener of the show, which I think we got listeners in Austin, come on out. Just scream out "American Loser" at me. We'll come hang out. We'll, we'll you know, whatever you want to do after the show, short of you know me taking pictures of you. <laughs> it's
1: <laughs> give you a sticker.
0: Yeah, why not, man? <laughs> um, also, other stuff I got coming up, man. I'm very excited about this one. I'll be working with uh, one of my my good buddies and uh, a fellow diehard history fan. Uh, one of the, the the great great people I've ever met in this uh, business. Uh, Chris DeStefano and I will be working together again over in Eatontown, I believe. It's like a small amphitheater or something like that. That's August 14th. Come check me out on that one. Also, uh, speaking of uh, nice gigs, the Count Basie Theater. Yeah, the Vogel Room, I believe it's called. It's the smaller room, so it's not the big theater. Don't get me wrong. I'll be opening up for uh, my good buddy and former guest of the show, Chris Covert. And Cahoons, you want to guess who's going to be the uh, the host for that show? I'll tell you what. He's not supposed to be here today. Get the heck yep. out of Yep. So it's me, Dante from Clerks himself, the immortal Brian O'Halloran, oh, uh, that's and Chris Covert. Awesome. So that gig's going to be on the 21st. That's over at the Count Basie. Uh, it's the Vogel Room, I believe, on that one. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I got to plug on this one, but I will say this, guys, uh, check me out. All the as, 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 Whenever you can come on out, I love speaking to people who listen to the show. It means the world to me. Thank you so much. Please enjoy this episode. She's a good one, all right? Don't be cheap, all right? Spend money on the tickets. Don't be cheap like today's loser, Miss Hetty Green.
2: Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down An American Loser the day I was born
0: Welcome back, folks, to another episode of American Loser. It is the podcast that puts the spotlight firmly on second place. I'm your host, KP Burke. I'm a stand-up comic in the great state of New Jersey, for a little while longer at least, before I inevitably have to move. But we're doing what we can here. We are, of course... Uh, I'm one half of the show and the other half of the show is my Dilf of a dad, there Lawrence Patrick. Say hey, hello to everyone. Hey,
1: how are we doing today? Everybody's good? Everybody's good because we're all good here. Your
0: fan base is growing, by the way, to the point where it's <laughs> becoming an issue.
1: Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> so it's- uh- LP Burke and his son.
0: Yeah, apparently. That's okay. what it's turning into. We we do sound like a bank at that point. So yeah, right. we'll see what happens. And of course, we're at a share universe podcast studio in Eat- no, 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 not no. Eaton. No town, New no, Jersey. No, no,
2: no, no, get the name not right. Today. Not, th-
0: not today. Not today, folks. Live from the Bellworks over in Homedale, New Jersey, which is I don't think we're ever going back to Eatontown. Yeah. Ming, if you can hear this, go ahead and close the doors. I'll give my key back in that you didn't know I had made. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we're moving on up to
1: Bellworks. Yeah, Golden we could fit a New nice full
0: size couch in here because the man behind the ones and twos, we might be in a different st- Different studio space, right, Dad? But some things never change, baby. Behind the ones and twos, Big Kahuna in the he building. You can't get
2: rid of me that easy.
0: <laughs> Nor would we want to. We uh, we do need to get Ming to get you a nice, big, full-sized couch so that you can have like a pseudo apartment. Stretch out, okay. stretch out, okay? Stretch yeah. out. So,
2: little. so no more fetal position <laughs> couches. <That's,
0: yeah. laughs> right.
2: Every time I see that, because it's in the back of the secret stash now, I just cringe at it because I'm just like, I can't, I can't believe I did that. It would the be photo. so
0: low too that I I couldn't. I, I was wondering if it, Ming was using it for like yoga poses or something. <laughs> Because it was a
2: very yeah,
1: right. difficult looking couch. You know? Horizontal yoga.
0: Yeah, I'll talk. I'll give away a couple government secrets if I'm sitting in there for long enough. But uh, today we got a good one. We got a damn good one. I want to say thank you real quickly, especially to the founding losers. If you guys got to enjoy uh, our great episode on Crazy Horse, we did last week. If you're missing out on that, got a couple of messages from people saying, hey, no new episode this week. Not for you, you fucking cheapskates. I'm kidding. We love you. <laughs> right? We love you. We do. We love you. It's very important to me. I like the founding losers just a little bit more than the casual listeners. And the founding losers for just as low as $3 a month are coming in hot and getting all sorts of – they get full access to the back catalog. Uh, What I'm doing with the episodes as we talked about is that about a year – after I've put out the Patreon exclusive, maybe I'll put it out as a YouTube, right? Pull out a couple of you know, we got some stuff up there. See so, the way you
2: had it before was it was the price of a Starbucks coffee. Now it's about the price of a seven eleven coffee.
1: We have downgraded. Really? Yeah. It's a- <laughs> We've downgraded in price, but we've moved on up in studio uh, location here. This is uh this is upscale. It's
0: about as nice as it gets. Even Sandy Burke was walking around impressed with this place. So if they put one Coles <laughs> in, I think you guys are moving in here. Coles yeah. <laughs> are a Ross and it's over. Um I'll say this. My mother is a uh, – she's not cheap by any means. There's no – but she does enjoy a good bargain and that's like the hunting that they do when they go out to these stores like Ross and Kohl's and I think, I think that today's loser would be quite proud of that and say that maybe my mother was making consistent good financial decisions fair to
1: say absolutely absolutely That's always you, the, always the bargain hunt
0: well she made a couple of good financial decisions almost as good as joining the patreon for just three dollars a month all right five dollars a month if you <laughs> want to be able to vote on stuff we'll send out some merch and everything welcome to all the new people in on the founding losers and if it's your first episode what we do is we talk about the the weird footnotes from American history it started off with just losing so huh. but uh, we got I don't dam-
2: think I've ever heard those words together in my life before. Which one? Good financial decisions. That's <laughs> so.
1: yeah, really. Especially when it comes to car buying, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, uh, oh yeah,
0: don't get me wrong, I'm right behind you on that one. But today's loser is fascinating because she can show you that you can have everything and still want to spend it on nothing.
2: We're doing Calamity Jane again. Very close.
0: <laughs> Very close. I would say almost the total opposite of uh, Calamity Jane would be today's loser, a certain Miss Henrietta Howland Robinson. Okay, her final last name will be Green later on in life, but uh, born Henrietta Howland Robinson in New Bedford, Massachusetts on November 21st, 1834. So 1834, that means that she'll be in her 30s when the nation's at war and there might be a new country down south and there might be – there's a lot of craziness going on here. So I always like to put that into –
2: And that's when they start airing those really annoying, the spirit of Massachusetts is the spirit of America commercials. (laughs) And you know damn well I'm right. (laughs) It's uh
0: it gets to be a wild one on that. It's uh it's very fun though, because uh in eighteen thirty four is when she's gonna be born. Now she will die July third, nineteen sixteen, in New York City. So she's born in New Bedford, Mass dies in New York City.
2: This is very early that you're mentioning the date of death. And
0: typically, we don't kill off the loser immediately. Yeah, she, first had a, she had a good run. I'm the... digging
2: this Pulp Fiction structure we got going on in this episode. Well, it's
0: almost more so Citizen Kane because her life in the middle is where she's the most interesting, I would say. Yeah. What's or- her rosebud? Orson Welles, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so during her 81 years on Earth, she would accumulate a fortune of an estimated 100 to $2 million dollars. 100 to 200 million I'm sorry, One good call. Numbers is <laughs> never my strength, man. So remember, you can join the Patreon for just $35 a month. <laughs> um, but yeah, 100 to 200 million dollars. And that's not in our time's money.
2: That's not adjusted for inflation. That's back in the day money. She had that. She had the, Jeff Bezos money. In the 1900s.
0: In the 1900s. It's nuts, dude. And it's um,
2: You know, if it adjusted for inflation, she would probably be richer than Bezos uh i I, well we'll have some final numbers on that there's a
0: couple comparisons that we have to make (laughs) holy crap she will earn nicknames like the wizard of finance and also be considered the richest woman in america potentially the richest woman in the world uh depending on how you want to you know break that data down
2: oprah winfrey would like to have a conversation
0: that's right that's uh (laughs) somebody made a great joke the other day that i saw on facebook i can't remember who it was i think it was my buddy maraud or something but it was saying that uh, uh oprah probably hated billionaires at one point too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <That's> a- <laughs> but uh, in addition to those nicknames that this woman, Hetty Green, is getting, she's the richest woman in America, the wizard of finance. She will also be legitimately entered into the Guinness World Book of Records right. in a rather auspicious category. Dad, yeah. you want to tell the good people what the category was?
1: Uh, the uh, the miser, the world's greatest miser. So to say that she was tight-fisted with a book, that only begins to uh, tell the tale. Cheap. <laughs> yeah. So
2: I'm Mr. Money Miser.
0: <laughs> She's got a little bit of that to her, man. So without further ado, here's the story of Hetty Green, or as she was known in her own time, the witch of Wall Street. Born into a wealthy family of actually considered to be the wealthiest family of the whaling
1: industry in her own city of New Bedford. Yeah. And that's that's saying a bunch because uh, the whaling industry in this time frame was like the one of the biggest industries in in America and America was the uh, largest uh, whaling industry in the world. I mean, they were world leaders in whaling and we'll get into that a little bit, but-
0: Well, we're about to throw you, uh, we're going to tee you up for success here, man. So, uh, get ready to crack the long ball. And I'll say this, we had, this is true, uh, a family vacation. We went to uh, the whaling museums. I want to say it was in Connecticut, maybe? Uh, New Bedford, Mass. New, New Bedford. Oh, you mean where Hedy Green is <laughs> yeah, from? Yeah, there you go. So That was where, where she was uh, born. Well, I uh, I enjoy well, her story. I enjoy that town because that whaling museum, you can go on an old whaling ship and I uh, get a, like, that's one of those things, like, I'm not one of those people, like, past lives people, but I've always been drawn to the ocean. So, the idea that I joined the Navy made sense to me. Um and there was a big part of me where I was like, man, if I was alive during the time of whaling, I would probably do that the same way that people can watch Deadliest Catch and sit there and say, that's what I should be doing. <laughs> that was kind of, that's kind of how I feel about the the good old uh, Yankee whaling business. Yeah, so, well, the
1: Yankee whaling business, uh, to look at it in today's perspective, it's a whole whole different story living uh, or looking at it in Hedy's uh, uh, perspective back, back in the day when New Bedford was – the capital of the whaling entire industry, the world capital of the whaling industry. Um, It was originally a town that got its big start, if you will, from uh, a Quaker influence. The the Quakers were a heavy uh, influence on New Bedford. Um, The Quakers were a religious group that got out of England because of the persecution they were feeling in England, came over to America and were still suffering in the same Uh, religious persecutions in this country early on. Um, Actually, they were asked to leave in no uncertain terms by the Puritans of uh, Massachusetts uh, to leave that part of the colony. So they packed up.
0: When the Puritans are like, you're really just... Bumming us out, dude. Come on, man. Spend a little (laughs) money on something, will you? Cheap seats.
1: We're we're all here to escape religious persecution, but you're not following the same religion that we're following, so you're out. So go find your own place. But anyhow, the long and the short is uh, New Bedford was ideally situated for the whaling industry because it's in between uh, Boston and New York. It's an ocean port. It's a deep water port. The other biggie uh, for the whaling industry in the United States was uh, uh, Nantucket, which is an island off of Massachusetts. And between the two of them, uh, they pretty much had a lock on that. Hang on. but Nantucket? Nantucket. Nantucket. Isn't
0: there some sort of a – some tie-in with the whaling industry that when you
1: harpoon a whale – and it pulls you behind. Uh, yeah. What's uh, it called, Dad? Yeah, you know, I was I was going to get into that. I mean, you're oh no, you're run glam- with the ball. Give us the zeitgeist. You're you're glamorizing the whole whaling industry. It was the most dangerous um, occupation that you could possibly have. And it and it to be a whaler, you were out to sea for probably up to four years because that whole New Bedford thing. Once they started going after whales. Out in the ocean, rather than just waiting for the dead whales to float up on shore or to go after them from uh, you know along the, the coastline and actually going out into the ocean, uh, that was a, a game changer. And the, the whaling industry, why was it important? Because they would uh, kill these whales and then butcher them out at sea, boiling uh, up the the blubber into these huge copper cauldrons right aboard ship. So, it almost became like uh, one of the first um, ocean-going uh, factories that- Different kind of oil refinery. Right. But to harpoon a whale, you were lowered off the side of the of the uh, the whale boats, the whale ships into these little uh, like six-man uh, crews. You got to think of the whole movie like Moby Dick and that kind of thing, that they're going down into the, uh, the whale boats. And then once you harpooned the whale, there would be a line attached to the harpoon. So whale. now you got this this huge <laughs> uh, lance that's in the side of the uh, of the whale. And if you didn't kill him on the first strike, which was very rare, the whale would then take off and pull the the uh, harpoon boat, the whale boats, along for miles and miles. And that was known when you're getting pulled along by this now injured harpooned whale. That was known as a Nantucket sleigh ride, and now again, <laughs> Nantucket was another key whaling uh, company, but or whaling uh, port. Um, but New Bedford, uh, Mass, that was was key because of its it's an ocean uh, port, but it's land based. You know, so now you can ship this stuff, and the whale oil was used primarily primarily for illumination. We're back in the days; you know, we're pre Civil War now. And uh, to illuminate your house, you're, you're burning uh, whale oil to light your lamps and also the street lights. So, it became real uh, big to be able to light the street lights. And uh, New Bedford whale oil was shipped all over the world. I mean, London city streets were being illuminated by uh, New Bedford uh, whale oil. And then different parts of the whale was used. It wasn't just the oil. Technically,
0: those lights are on a keto diet.
2: technically that that, that logic
1: checks out. There you go. Um, Other parts of the uh, whale were uh, used to make... um, uh, uh, Samurma City um, is a part of the whale that was like in the head cavity that they would boil that down. But that made for very clean burning uh, candles, uh, smokeless candles, if you will, um, and and a, a brighter light, so that was like a, the premium stuff. So you got high test and you got regular. Um, uh, within that, uh, you see the uh, the women of the time—they're wearing these big hoop dresses. You know, you're thinking like Scarlett O'Hara and Gone with the Wind and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, those big hoop skirts were held out or held into the hoops by using uh, whalebone or whale parts <laughs> whale carcass to uh hold your hoop skirt out so
0: like the native americans before them using every
1: part of the animal yeah absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely um but um if you're out at sea you could easily find where the whaleboats are because of the the blubber being boiled down and the stench you could probably find the ship by the smell before you would find it by by putting eyeballs on it yes. but uh you know, this uh, New Bedford, Mass. Her hometown was, as I say, the center of the the whaling uh, industry, and that um, da- old Daddy dear, um made a major fortune um, within the whaling industry, and then taking some of that money and in, into an other investments and that type of stuff. So she certainly had money right from the get go.
2: So her dad uh, gave her a small loan of a million dollars. Yeah.
1: And yeah, she, she was uh, she was set up early on, because she was raised with the idea that somebody's going to have to take over this fortune, and although you're a, a woman, uh, we're going to teach you the ways of the business world, which was unheard of at the time. But going back to her Quaker upbringing, the Quakers were very inclusive. Um, male, female, um, white, black, all different colors, everybody's equal in God's eyes, type of a thing. And, um, the women were within the Quaker society were allowed to, uh, take a more predominant role in not only the household, but in in the business world as well. So, um, well, it,
0: it's still her particular brand of, uh, involvement is still very rare. So it wasn't like this was super common for that to happen, but she definitely, um, she makes a name for herself. She definitely picks up some steam on a couple of things. It, it, I find her to be a fascinating one. Once we get to the weird details about her too, that's where you wind up fitting in someone who made so much money into a category known as a loser. But continue, good. Story. Yeah, and
1: I was just saying that, uh, you know, that whole idea of like, the glamorous uh, whaling and, you know, Moby Dick and the, the It's only glamorous go, oh, if oh, you're oh, owning it. <laughs> so, yeah. so, it's only glamorous when you're eating popcorn watching a movie. But uh, if you're actually aboard ship, it's a it's a hard life uh, definitely a hard life a stinky These, life too a uh, stinky life you and you know imagine yourself being covered with uh oil, oil. Uh, you stink uh, the whole place is slip sliding away as a guy that used to have to work on a grease truck let me tell yeah, you yeah yeah well there you go right? that's 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 the same kind of a sense that if you're doing a grease vacuum that's willie's got- <laughs>
0: retirement grease
1: <laughs> <laughs> right right <laughs> If you're cleaning out the grease traps from behind Burger King or something, uh, it gives you kind of an idea of where we're where we're at. But now the whole ship is covered with this with this crap and uh um it's a very, very dangerous. Not only are you gonna be pulled from uh uh you know, on this Nantucket sleigh ride, that you might be pulled by this whale before he actually dies from miles, or the whale is gonna come up and smack you uh into into orbit oh, yeah. or attack the the main vessel. and and um uh, Melville's Moby Dick, Melville actually spent time on the whaling ships and he went out of New Bedford, Massachusetts. That's That was his home port. Um, and there's a church there that still has uh, testimony as to um, him spending time there before he went We've out to sea. We've been see. to
0: that church, if I recall.
1: Yeah. The pulpit in that church is actually the bow of a, a smaller ship. that so, Preacher man, yeah. rather than getting up into the pulpit – the pulpit itself is shaped like the bow of a, or the front end of a. So of that the when ship. the
0: priest is giving his sermon, it looks like he's on the front of the ship speaking at. So it's a very nautical theme. Town. Right. right. I, I'm trying and
1: to and remember. And even in in Moby Dick, I think it was uh, our buddy that uh, was given the the speechifying. Orson Welles. Orson Welles. Yeah. If so, I recall, but, I believe it was. I think Orson it was Wells. Orson Welles that was in that in that scene uh, within that church. And so the great.
0: Gregory Peck played Captain Ahab in that film, right. and then I believe Gregory Peck played the priest in the Patrick Stewart um, version of Moby Dick that came out for it was a made for TV thing.
1: Could so. be, but you know it, it's it's for good reason that the end of uh, uh, Melville's Moby Dick, there's only one person that survives because oftentimes that was the case, uh, and and other countries are going after your your whaling ships because of the the prize money. I mean, it's it's a very sought after commodity, this whole whale oil kind of a thing, uh, you know. So, the, financially you would take a hit. It was a big risk, uh, but with a big risk comes a big gain. So, um, you know, it's uh, it was an interesting interesting time for sure, and it wasn't until really, well, about eighteen fifty nine, um, where uh, petroleum is um, discovered in Pennsylvania. And that was the beginning of the end, if you will, of, of the whaling industry. Because, again, now the whole start of the Industrial Revolution, you got all these big machines and stuff going in the middle of the 1800s. Well, what's going to lubricate this various machinery? It's going to be whale parts, whale oil to lubricate that. You got whale oil from <laughs> for illumination. I mean, it was, it was a huge, huge industry. Uh, and it wasn't until later on with uh, the discovery of the petroleum products that we started doing the lubricating oil. And then uh, there's a guy by the name of Rockefeller that figures, hey, you know, there's, there's this crap that we can probably distill out of this, this crude oil and turn it into kerosene. And now we got kerosene as a fuel for lighting, which kind of just replaced whale um, oil, oil. And we hunted the whales almost into extinction in yeah, some That's species. not
0: a good business plan when, uh, you're right. like, oh, we're going to make sure this industry only lasts a couple of years. That's like, uh, you know, shorten your own supply. Yeah, you know? it's,
1: it's very similar to uh, what we did with the uh, American bison or the buffalo that we nearly hunted them into extinction, thinking that, well, there's so many of them. There's no way we're going to be able to, you know, deplete this t- to near extinction. Well, guess what we did? And the same thing happened to many species of, uh, of the whales. Uh, yeah. And then you
0: got to be nervous, too, because you want to make sure that they can, uh, uh, you know, reproduce and stuff like that. And uh, one weird thing was that there was a, a one of the whales was gay, you know, <laughs> so he wasn't really interested in that kind of a life, you know, right. it's uh he was staying up near Fire Island, if I recall. Right, so I think that's where he <laughs> only was for the summer.
1: <laughs> they were migratory.
0: Uh but you did an excellent job there, LP. If you had any other info on the whaling thing, because we're going to move into the the actual story, the person we're talking about today. Because um, we want to give the whaling background though, because A, I find it fascinating. And B, is that that's the kind of industry – if she's the wealthiest whaling family in the entire New Bedford community, she's coming from a pretty prestigious background. Yeah. They got and some and cash again, to this whole around. Quaker
1: thing I think plays a large part. Into that too, because again, they were very accepting for, for everyone, and uh, the Quakers would then later um, be leaders in the whole abolitionist movement. So, we're right in that whole time frame um, within the whaling industry, is also um, pre Civil War, and a lot of the New Bedford uh, abolitionists. Who were leaders in that whole- Because Massachusetts, I mean, they were way
0: early on their stuff.
1: But again, that was because of the large uh, Quaker population oftentimes. The other large Quaker populations were in Pennsylvania with uh, Willie Penn because he was a Quaker. And uh, the whole Pennsylvania and South Jersey for a good part of South Jersey was also strong in uh, Quaker roots.
0: Quakers, a little bit more going on there than we give them credit for. I'll say that much. Um, a couple other things, too, just about Hetty Green here. So, you did a great job of giving us the zeitgeist for her. Um, like we said, when she was two years old, she was sent to live with her grandfather. Now, it was her maternal side grandfather. Both her mother's side and her father's side came from money. So, again, she's two years old, gets sent over to live with her grandfather. Hetty actually learns how to read pretty much by reading the stock quotes and the commerce papers for her grandfather. And she kind of emulated a lot of his behaviors and his actions. So, it was… You see, Because that's all it is. Growing up as a kid is just being an ape imitating an older ape that knows a little bit more than you. That's kind of what it is. So, her thing is that she's getting a very – I mean, I would say that's a once-in-a-lifetime education. You want to talk about a, an unpaid internship of sorts to, that'll you know, teach you the, the, the gimmicks and the rules and whatnot? See, so um, got a very strong foundation in finance. And from an early age, that means uh, she's gonna be able to have a, a nice education provided for her as well. A lot of private education, boarding schools, finishing schools, stuff like that. By the way, we're raising money to send kahuna to finishing school. <laughs>
2: yeah. When he
0: comes back next yeah. time he goes, Oh
1: good good day, gentlemen. Finishing that's uh yes. that's one hundred eighty sandpaper, it? and then <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm gonna take that to the kahuna. Uh, you can
1: a retired shop teacher there never truly retires. So. never sand it enough. <laughs> you can always hit it a little more. Keep going.
0: Well, Hetty begins to read the ledgers uh, and takes part in the family business, which is again she's running books, if you will. She's doing the finance end of it for uh, and the accounting end of it for this massive whaling business that her family is involved with. So, her father, after her grandfather passes away, her father now takes over the family's whaling firm. And again, she's attending these finishing schools and she becomes a debutante, if you will. Which I thought was interesting. It, Loosely means a fine, upper-class woman from good stock that is now available for marriage, that they, they right. debut her. here uh, yeah, And the bidding starts at? <laughs> right.
1: What's my bid? What's my bid?
0: <laughs> yes. How much do I have to have in order to be able to get a date with that girl? Yeah. It's, you know, it was kind of like OnlyFans, but for the long term, you know? <laughs> So,
1: <laughs> yeah, one it's of the just a good joke. One of the things, though, that I thought was pretty telling, even early on, as a as a young woman, she, here she is now. She's gone to this finishing school, and she's now put out there as a, as a debutante, so that this young woman uh, is now available for marriage to the proper suitor. So you know, line up, boys, and uh, um, give us your best uh, resume, if you will. As hit to, me
2: with your best right. shot.
1: Um, <laughs> but her father goes out and buys all kinds of the latest fashions and dresses and everything else for Hetty to um, parade around in to put it out there. Well, Hetty <laughs> takes all these, you know, the latest fashions and all this kind of stuff um, to be uh, fashion forward. She gathers them all up and sells them and then uses that money from selling of the dresses that her father just bought for her and invests it to make make money on the on the on the sale of the dresses. She has got so, uh see, she's got her mind on her money and her right. money on her mind. Never mind so. uh never mind going after the boys. Uh she's going after the greens. Now, Go, going who, after in, the, now going
2: who instilled after the this penny pension mentality? Was it her grandfather Scrooge McDuck?
0: Uh, well, the Quakers were known as very financially thrifty people to begin with. Okay. but And there's no saying that her family that raised her, that you grew up with, they, they weren't really tight-fisted. Kind of. Maybe they were, and it just took on a whole nother level for her.
1: Yeah. And, and going back to the Quaker upbringing, you did not wear uh, flashy fashion-forward stuff. You were very plainly Modest. dressed. And if you were giving out um, money... Um, you know, if you were giving to the poor or something like that, you didn't make a big splash out of, out of it. You did it very quietly. And, you know, nobody really needs to know about that where other philanthropists are making a big deal of, uh, well, that's going to be the, the the Rockefeller Library or the, uh, um, who you know, uh, whoever is, um, the Carnegie, it's not Carnegie Hall and all this kind of stuff. If you were giving money, uh, you were, Doing it on the quiet and you didn't really need – it could be done anonymously so that they weren't looking right. for the the, uh, the idea of getting your name in the paper because of the money you just gave away.
0: Well, later on in life, she's going to – they do kind of say that she believed in what she referred to as discreet charity. So, she's not like a – there's also a couple – she's a complex woman. So, she believes in discreet <laughs> right. charity, but then there's going to be a couple of legal cases going on in her life. Right. Not right. no way, not no how. So, um She actually winds up leaving the New Bedford area and heading down to New York City for a little while. She's going to live with her cousin. Her cousin, by the way, is named uh, Henry Grinnell or Grinnell, however you want to pronounce it. Um, More on him, I would say sometime this month because he's a relatively fascinating guy too. And we knew about him beforehand. So this is a – um, an unintentional
1: loserception, but yeah, it's a- we're crossing paths here with a couple of different- Oh, movies. yeah. This we haven't gotten
2: of- to this part of Pulp Fiction yet, okay? <laughs> right. We see Bruce Willis in the bar for a second. We're not going to get to that till way later. That's right. Oh,
0: <laughs> that's actually a good way to- I always say there's a little bit of Game of Thrones to history, too, where you're just like these two characters walk past each other, and it's uh, they're both going to go on their own little story here, but uh, the overall arc is pretty worthwhile here. Now, her initial stay in New York does not last long, She will return to New Bedford and showcase her abilities for uh, earning. So, think of her as like a mobster. She's she's a good good earner. earner. (laughs) She's a good earner. (laughs) Well, she returns up to New Bedford and uh, she's going to earn her father's approval and his praise by demonstrating her ability to earn. And then she also – so, the whole thing is this. When you're a, a quote, debutante or a woman of society, like like, a lot of – are you drawn to the nightlife of it? Are you drawn to the fashion of it that you want to be presentable? You want to make yourself look – as attractive as possible that, you know, men guffaw when you walk into a room kind of a thing. But unfortunately, the only thing that seems to get good old Hetty off is making money. <laughs> That's right. You know, she's one of those people where it's uh, it, it's definitely uh, – she would be addicted to it the same way that they talk about in The Wolf of Wall Street. That the first time that, you know, he sent the paperwork down the, the tube, you know, to buy a stock or a commodity, that he was absolutely hooked. That's kind of what Hetty Green's going to be. Which, uh, again – not bad for a girl who learned how to read on business ledgers and knew how to keep books by age thirteen. For uh, those listeners at home, I'm thirty three and do not know how to keep
1: books. You just said two million and two hundred million is a little different. <laughs> yeah. well, that's why a little different. I, I have forget. a
2: feeling she would have fired you. That's What's a, <laughs> a couple of
1: zeros? Come on.
0: Well, I mean, my cousin Greg tried to get me a job as uh, an actuary, which uh, I had no business with that job. But I swear to God, before I took the job as an actuary, which is like an accounting background. I thought an actuary was a body of water. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm so uh, sorry.
0: No, that's accurate. Oh my God. But uh, her life consists of uh, following her father around. So she's again, she's learned all this stuff by age 13. She's uh, now an old, not an older one, but she's a woman of marriageable age. And uh, her father uh, is just kind of got a shadow with him at all times. He's going to go to his business pursuits during the day, and then at night, Hetty will read the news to him. So. Uh, Hetty will actually inherit a small house from her mother. Her mother unfortunately passes away around this
1: time. And, yeah, uh, her, her mother dies in uh, 1860, um, so that makes Hetty. She's now a young woman of about 26 when her when her mother passes. Or uh, back in those days, middle aged. Yeah, yeah, you were <laughs> you were getting a little long in the tooth at that point, but. Well,
0: her uh, her mother gives her this small house, which uh, again, this is going to add to Hetty's own. She comes from money, but now she's going to have her own personal fortune. So she's going to be somebody who can take the money that she grew up with and do something bigger with it. So um, this house is worth about eight grand then, or uh, two hundred thirty thousand dollars now. Also known as one small bedroom apartment in Passaic County, New Jersey. So um, the an aunt, by the way, on her mother's side will actually leave her twenty thousand dollars which is adjusted for inflation, half a mil today. And uh, between that and the house, hetty uh, has got a, a decent little fortune uh, being conjured up over here. Yeah, she's getting a grub steak put together. Yeah, she? she's figuring out some stuff, but she's also very, very smart. So she is tight-fisted, but it's also because she wants to know the details on pretty much everything. She's quite the student here. It's definitely the apple of her father's eye in that regard. And by the way, her father, he's not a guy who's ever satisfied with his own personal wealth either. He's going to move up in the world uh after the uh, the death of his wife he winds up selling off his shares of the whaling business, gets involved with uh government bonds.
1: Yeah, this is uh pre-Civil War, so now uh um the federal government uh the union side is looking for funds to uh to fund the war, to support the war effort, and they're offering uh bonds. That are paid back in uh, gold standard, so that's a, I think that's it, a good. To the tune of like
0: seven percent too, yeah,
1: six or seven percent. So uh, that's you know that's that's a good return on your investment for back yeah. in the day. It's a good return on your investment now, for today. Let's see if
0: I got. Let's see if I got this correct here. So that means if I put in a hundred bucks, they have to give me a hundred and seven bucks back at the end, right?
1: Well, it depends on. The, yeah, if it's a seven
0: percent backed yeah. by gold, that's pretty. That's okay. So, right.
1: But that's the big thing, too, that it's backed by gold. And as the gold standard increases, uh your your investment might be worth more than the seven percent. It's progressively
2: becoming a bigger and bigger deal. Right. right. Oh, yeah. And
0: uh they know about this stuff. This is not this is pre- you know, Robinhood app, this is pre-Dogecoin. This is uh you know, <laughs> the everyday person didn't really understand how this stuff worked, and they probably didn't trust
1: banks. Now, you know? I, I've Plus heard... nor did they have the money to invest. <laughs> <Yeah. so>. super <laughs> important question. Now, yeah,
2: at what point in her life did she uh, acquire the giant money pit that she allows herself to swim around in every morning.
0: That's a <laughs> duck tails, yep. but. but
2: I'm not lying. Like you see, it's so funny. Cause when you see depictions of like Scrooge McDuck and characters like that, who are so severely penny pinchers, it, like it sounds like it kind of comes from her.
0: She's definitely, uh, she becomes a part of the, uh, um, popular culture, if you will. There's a couple of things later on in life, too, where uh, they, they really... She is as much of a quiet life as she's leading. It's such an uh, enigmatic life that she's living that it's hard to not pay attention to her.
2: You want to know something like a weird comparison I'm making right now, and, and it's only because it's kind of around the same time period? I wonder if... Cause- the legend is, is that the Wizard of Oz was based off of like...
0: What do you mean the legend is? We covered that on this very Yeah, show. I know.
2: <laughs> I know. The goal. Like, I wonder, I wonder if like she... Because the witch of Wall Street. I wonder if she had any play towards the book. I wonder if... The Bomb, Wicked Witch. Yeah. It I would
0: wonder not if shock Bomb me.
1: knew about her.
0: Well, she would have been very much in favor of the gold standard because it lined her pockets for, I mean, right. decades to go.
1: And we're not too far off from that time that time period either with The Wizard of Oz and the whole gold standard. Oh, yeah. If little, for more on that one, we'll check later, out our episode we're, we're, on we're, William we're,
0: Jennings Bryan.
1: Yeah. We're working towards that.
0: So, like I said, Hedy's father's moving up in the world. Now, he's going to go into government bonds and also enters the shipping business, of which he immediately becomes a partner in one of the large firms. So- this has proven to be quite lucrative for the already financially prosperous family. So they're going from—I uh, mean—they're in the black to in the black to in the black, man. Uh-huh. It's just—you know—making money every week, every moment, every day, every second. We'll cover that later. It takes money but, to make
1: money, and they got a lot to lot to start with.
0: Sure do. Uh, while in New York, though, Hetty will actually meet the man who will eventually make her green, her future husband, Edward Henry Green. Now, LP, you know a little bit
1: about uh, good old Ed, right? Yeah, Edward Henry Green. Uh- you know, Hetty's father made all kinds of stipulations as to uh, who was going to be able to marry his daughter. And, it, you know, he was afraid of somebody going to marry her and then uh, just for the money, you know, because obviously she's got bucks and the whole family's got bucks so he was looking uh, afraid of somebody just hooking in with hetty uh, and taking her for her money she wasn't about that end to happen anyhow but she
2: was uh, about that prenup life yeah essentially so, yeah, imagine no, that
1: to have your dad draw up a prenup on your behalf to give to your future husband so it's <laughs> it's very progressive right, <laughs> right. and Ed, edward henry green her her husband actually um he has bucks himself he was very big in uh, what became known as the China trade. So again, we're in a really uh, a flux of a a lot of different things happening here all at the same time. Now, the China trade was the first attempt, if you will, to trade with China. The British, for the most part, had any trade going on with uh, China pretty much locked up. And of course, the American Revolutionary War kind of prevented that from happening. And then the War of 1812, same kind of a thing. Meanwhile, you got a lot of the, uh, the wars going on over the, the whaling industry. So, there was a lot, of, a lot of different countries wanted to start trading with China um, because number one was tea. I mean, British are all about tea. So, who's who's got some of the best tea? But China—it's a Kamada tea. Get it? Get tea. It? tea, tea. <laughs> right. I'm going to
2: mute your mic. Um,
1: <laughs> but Henry uh, Edward Henry Green, his whole side of the family is early on with the whole China trade, and they had bucks. There's no doubt about that. Uh, they were one of the earlier ones in there. Um, what would happen is. Um, We would be taking uh, otter furs, the fur trade, over to China because the Chinese were very very much interested in using the otter furs um, for whatever uh, ornamentation or what have you. Um, The other thing was uh, ginseng. Um, So if you're watching uh, the cable TV channel where all these uh, hillbillies are back in the mountains of uh, Appalachia hunting for the ginseng root. Um, the Chinese were very much interested in, in ginseng, so that became a huge uh, trade good commodity. Uh, the Chinese would only trade with with silver, so of course uh, silver was the the monetary uh, factor in Ooh, this whole. William thing. Jennings Bryan's. And then tingly. another another biggie that uh, the Chinese would trade for is uh, opium, <laughs> and. Back then, opium is not illegal. It's 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 illegal at certain places or frown, certainly frowned upon. And it was the British who kind of locked up the whole opium trade in India because India was a uh, British colony at the time. Uh-huh. So, the British are trading with the Chinese using opium as the under the table uh, trade good, if you will, that you know, it was um, wasn't above board by any, but it was a, a backroom deal with the opium. And then some of the Americans got involved with that, that they started um, pulling opium out of India on the sly. Now, Dad, you've smoked a lot of opium throughout oh, the years. Explain what it is. I, I would be, <laughs> let me see, uh, go down the rabbit hole on opium, so oh, to speak. Oh, yep. there you go. That's Another, how you write Alice in One yeah, That's land. how you write Alice in One exactly. That's
2: how you also get songs like Minnie exactly. Moocher.
1: Truth. But anyhow, uh, this whole China trade, um, there was a, uh, a ship's captain by the name of uh, John Green. I wasn't able to really make the direct connection to Edward Henry Green. But it's there. It's but all connected. It, but it, it is, uh, I think it's uh, seven degrees of separation there because uh, Captain John Green, who was one of the first Americans to go into China and start trading with them. Um, his son was John Green Jr., who was aboard that ship. But that's about as far as I got. But anyhow, um, the Americans are taking ginseng, opium, and fur, and some other items, and and trading it for Chinese tea, silk, and porcelain, which had a huge, uh, huge return on on your investment. That um, even on a on a bad uh, bad day, you're still making about a twenty five percent increase in your in your investments, it's so, like when they
0: say the Dow is
1: down today, and then you realize, like, wait, how much? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, it's it's dangerous because to trade with China, oh yeah, well, we're not going through the Panama Canal. You're you're leaving um, if, if you come from the East Coast. You're going around Cape Horn uh, or Cape of Good Hope and coming up through the Indian. Ocean. I mean, it's it's a long, long voyage, and we're talking years before you're back again to be able to turn that profit and to you know to outfit a ship and everything else uh, was not a, a cheap uh, kind of a thing that you're- and You're not exactly you're doing your uh, piracy. Coin. Yeah, you're not yeah. doing your Dogecoin uh, situation here where <laughs> you're going to be able to find out tomorrow whether you made any money or not.
0: <laughs> tomorrow, I mean, it, it, Doge was almost instant. I mean, the, yeah. you had a generation of people who learned how to invest while they were taking shits, you know what I mean? <laughs> 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 uh, keep going though. Anything else you want to do? No, I'm about that's,
1: to- a, that's pretty much, but our husband had money, but he had to sign a, a prenup. And you know, for uh, her father to require the prenup before they got married. Now, her father passes away, uh, sadly. Um, 1865. 1865. He yeah. So the mother, her mother dies in 1860 and leaves her between her mother and her aunt. She's got you know well over um, a half a million by today's uh, by by today's money on him, But then dad dies and. Um, you know, I guess it was a couple of years after that that she marries. Uh, she marries Edward Henry Green, but with her dad passing, she's got uh, a, some pretty sizable, uh, pretty sizable bucks going on.
0: And again, the father's desire to have this what Kahuna referred to it we we would know in the modern parlance as a, a prenup agreement, right? Um, the two will marry in eighteen sixty seven. That's two years after Hetty's father passes away, and he was adamant about this in his will hetty will receive 6 million dollars 6 million in 1865 money yeah. she
2: is low she's moving on up without a <laughs> yeah. doubt to the east side yeah
1: yeah she's a force to be reckoned with not even 6 million guys. in 1865 money is uh, oh good god yeah
0: should we uh, give? It- no, we want to. We don't want the listeners to veer off a cliff and just say what? Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's uh,
0: buku bucks, folks. Yeah, right? that,
1: that buku cup bucks by today's standard would be about a hundred and two million. So uh, you're, you're doing all right. Well, you're her, doing all right. Her aunt will also, like we say, leave in her will for Hetty a sizable
0: sum to the tune of two million dollars. Um, but a legal battle will break out as Hetty challenged the will. Her aunt's final will and testament. Left her half the money to Hetty and the other half to charities, so that you're trying to do something nice. Hey, I want to make sure I take care of my my one niece who's been good to me, and she seems to know what she's doing with money. So she'll, I'm sure she'll provide for my family better than my family can. You know, if I give this family to my you know immediate you know kids and stuff like that, they'll probably be they'll want for nothing during their life. But if I give it to Hetty, Hetty will make sure that this money makes money. So, like you were saying, Dad, it's money greases the wheels of the money-making, you know, right. business. So, um, But anyway, so that's $2 million right there. Um, and a- apparently, the way that the will was supposedly said, and this kind of leads into a legal battle here where you start to see the frugal nature and maybe the stubbornness of Hetty coming through, is that uh, she challenges the will – Claiming that her aunt actually left her the entire $2 million. So, oh, you know all that shit that's supposed to go to charity? No, 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 no. That's supposed to go to me. I have documents that can prove it, right? And this becomes one of the first cases of uh, um, what was it? Uh, uh, Well, technically, the papers were considered a forgery. So, there was forensic accounting that was done here. Right. To try to figure out, well, at what day was this here? And then that's going through the books. Forensic accounting, as far as I can tell, is going through the books and trying to figure out, like, well, who cooked what when?
1: Yeah. Hedy challenges it in court that say that, well… Although that was the will of her aunt, uh, her will, her aunt actually signed a previous will that had a clause in there that said that uh, all the money was going to go to her. And of course, uh, you know, that was a whole big legal battle between Hetty and her cousins as to uh, the validity of of her aunt's will and the previous will. So, I mean, it was it was a legal battle. It was a legal battle in the courts to settle the estate. So... You know, ask anybody that uh, might have had some disagreements with their, uh, oh yeah, with their siblings or whoever. Uh, damn, Alice! Uh, somebody's in, <laughs> somebody's inheritance. <laughs> right. you a go. little inside baseball. Yeah, a little inside baseball for the rest of the family with damn Alice. But that's uh, that's neither here nor there. I think we can all we can all point to somebody's uh, family that uh, yeah they had a little problems. Uh, things didn't go real smooth when so and so died and the the will was contested. Well, a uh, five-year court
0: case will follow in which Hetty would finally receive a settlement of six hundred thousand dollars, or nowadays just north of two million dollars. So, damn, you know she didn't get right. the two million then, but she got two million, you know, in nowadays money in her settlement. So, good old Hetty, though she just couldn't handle the idea of a charity getting its filthy, grubby hands on her aunt's money, you know, like her aunt apparently intended legally. But <laughs> right, <laughs> damn. Never mind what you, or my aunt wanted. This is this is the way it's going to go. I, I, it was such a laughable thing when it was used as a defense uh, in a legal case where they referred to a person as having affluenza. Do you remember this? It was in the news. but it really is money creates a sickness in these people. Where it's like Hetty could never figure out what it was that she could ever possibly need to spend any of her money on. We're right. going to get into just how cheap she was yeah. later, but <laughs> yeah. the idea of a million dollars that could be hers, just rolling around in a universities, hospitals, charities. It disgusted her. That could have been my investment money, right? You know, so she had to go through that whole thing. Now, Hetty, like we said, quite worth quite a bit of money in her own right. She's soon going to marry a man who's done very well for herself, as you mentioned, Dad. And Edward Henry Green. Green is from
1: Vermont. Lived overseas, like you were saying here. Yeah, he worked overseas in the uh, in the Far East, or also the. Also known as the China trade, so technically a millionaire he, in his own right. Yeah, he he had uh, sizable bucks to start. Yeah, absolutely. So,
0: <laughs> even though her father passed away two years prior to the marriage, Hetty would make her future husband forfeit all his rights to her money before the couple would marry, July eleventh, eighteen sixty-seven. So, Kanye saying we want prenup, you know, that's mm-hmm. a little bit of a yeah. You were go- taking the Hetty Green route on that one. Who would have thought, right? But
2: from a Kardashian? No, oh, no.
0: Exactly. Yeah,
1: and I think what's also important too with uh, her marrying uh, Henry Green was that uh, although the prenup was signed, um, that she he wasn't going to get any of her money. She was not also going to be held responsible for any of his debts, which proves to be uh, uh, a little foreboding there. Yeah, there were, what's the writing on the wall. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well. Keep in mind, we just said they got married in 1867. This is a very interesting time in American history. We're entering a period which will be known as the Reconstruction Era. So, this has the potential to be an awful time for those without means. So, let's say you're a recently freed slave. Let's say you're a, uh, a, a poor Southern farmer or something like that. There's a lot of, I mean, the majority of the country is suffering here. But if you're in the upper one percent area and you got a little cash to be throwing around, America's essentially on sale right now. And you can be making money hand over fist. You're going to see terms like uh, carpetbagger come into place around this time too. So very interesting though because they're living uh, – Hetty and her husband, they're living together on the island of Manhattan, which is a pretty uh, pretty interesting place to be. You know, the war is over. The draft riots have kind of settled down. Maybe things are getting calm. You have a bustling thing going on here. A little group called Tammany Hall kind of making some moves on the island. Tiny you know? little
2: thing. Tiny little thing.
0: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> they're making their influences – Felt
2: totally not a three part series, Still, only.
1: I should say, with <laughs> Tammany Hall. That's a three parter, folks. Yeah, um, <laughs> That's and a three part we'll, episode.
0: Eventually, when we get into Robert Moses, you'll realize why they compared him as a one man Tammany Hall. But uh, <laughs> during the time that they were living on uh, the island of Manhattan here, and uh, this five year legal battle's going on between uh, her the contention of her aunt's will, uh, in order to flee a possible indictment from her own cousins. <laughs> who accused her of having wills that were presenting them that were forgeries. They were eventually proven to be forgeries that uh, Hetty and her husband will actually go overseas and live in London. To avoid their potential legal problems, so that's why you set bail. All right, that's Moving why you overseas set. <laughs> to
2: avoid the authority.
1: What you, <laughs> you call flight risk? Yeah, well, she had the bucks to uh, fly pretty far away. So. Oh yeah. Yep. Well, they were living in uh, hotels and
0: stuff like that while they were over there. Hetty is cunning and as very astute as to how things quote work. That's for damn sure. Uh, for example, Hetty's own words were contrarian to market logic at the time. She is quoted as having said and I think we can all admit she's right now so at the time maybe it wasn't really well thought of but you know people don't want to lose their initial investment here so what hetty would do her logic is I buy things when they are low and nobody wants them and I keep them until they go up and people go crazy for them
1: nowadays that would just be known as what dad buy low sell high yeah <laughs> it, we're kind of in a real estate market right now where exactly you can buy high but uh or you know how are you going to be able to sell? Well, anyhow, we're we're in a, a topsy turvy real estate market right now. That there's nothing nothing out there to buy, so the price goes up. And would just sit it out and wait, and so we will wait until we've got an overabundance of stuff. That and this time period in 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 America too. I mean, there's a lot of banks going bankrupt. Railroads are going bankrupt. It's, it's, it's hard times economically. So if you've got a railroad that's about ready to go belly up, you can buy it for pennies on the dollar. And that's exactly what Hetty would do. Go in and buy it, fix it up and turn it over, flip, you know, f- flip it or fix
0: it. It's so- <laughs> a mixture of monopoly in the game of life.
1: All right. That's it. Now using the
0: interest, this is where she really did showcase her own genius, because this is a smart lady here. Using the interest from her father's trust fund, Hedy would invest, just as her pops did, in government bonds. The return on these investments in a single year, a single year in which she wasn't even living in America during the time of, was $1.25 million. Yeah, we're talking 1860s money here again. At one point, she earned $200,000 in a single day.
1: That's a good day.
0: If you add up- The 1860s, 1870s. Yeah, yeah. I have not made $200,000 in a 10-year cumulative effort via stand-up comedy. So.
1: You can even <laughs> chop a few zeros off of that. And, you know.
0: <laughs> well. Hedy <Yeah. laughs> uh, bought in on a, a, this currency known as Greenback's. Uh, Kuna, if you were to reach into your pocket right now and take out a $20 bill, what color would it be?
2: What $20 bill? That's a, <laughs> the one <laughs> yeah. Ming's
0: paying you to be here.
2: Yeah. Uh, it'd be green, my good sir.
0: Indeed, greenbacks, paper currency that was used during the Civil War by the Union. So Dogecoin, by the way, has gone the way of Confederate money. It's not worth anything anymore. <laughs> so if you had all your money saved up, it's, oh yeah, I got all the Confederate money in the world. It's all in a suitcase back at my house. Oh, it's the suitcase is now the most valuable thing. <laughs> But uh, real talk, is there any
2: actual value in like antique Confederate money? Do you yeah. think there would be to collect it? I'm sure to collect right? it, yes. not not yes. actual yes. currency. KP, it's, you looked at me like Christian.
0: <laughs> no, no. It, it, to to for the uh, for the history, the historically curious, like ourselves, the three here in the room, it's no
1: longer accepted as legal tender. But oh, of course, to a collector, yeah. there's because uh, that time period, banks were issuing their own money and everything else, so states would have their own their own money so it was a, a whole different world back then but yeah to, to answer your question confederate money does have value but it's a collector it's more value. collectors. Right. Uh,
2: okay so also this is the time when money actually started to become green like uh, i mean well, you, the way you were currency. Into, well, yeah. for the it was, way paper currency was you were right. describing it so i was like oh okay
0: yeah you're printing stuff there's uh, i mean that goes all the way back to hamilton as well too but you're definitely in you're approaching the golden age of that too, because your whole gold standard battle goes on between William Jennings, Bryan, and uh, McKinley. That was the whole big beef on that, that McKinley was the guy for the gold standard. That's where your Wizard of Oz thing comes in. So you're right on the zeitgeist. You're absolutely right.
2: It is not easy being green. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. Even Kerman had a hard time. Well, after some time, the government will then buy back. I'm sorry, i uh, not buy back. I apologize. Him um, in a domain. It, it <laughs> close. very close, really? um, mm, sort of. Uh, In the opposite way where it works out good for hetty because hetty is like we said mimicking her father's moves and she's going to say well the government always has to the government's never going to fully go bankrupt and uh even if they start to (laughs) you know she's got an interesting backup plan
1: too yeah they're going to be able to cover their bets anyhow
0: so by making this uh she's buying low on greenbacks and she actually uh the the paper currency then gets backed by the government uh to be backed with gold so the government is now saying so this is your gold standard here and uh, with that money, Hetty's large ownership proved to be what the Dogecoin community would be calling a moonshot. <laughs> so she's buying it when it's you know useless kind of a thing, and she's really, Very you low. know. yeah, like oh, it's just it's a piece of paper that says IOU on it. That's all this really is, right? And then the government goes, well, actually, it's backed by precious metals, and you just Hetty Green is sitting there in the corner like, you goddamn right, it is. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> Her husband, however. Dad, he's proving not to have the Midas touch that no, uh, Eddie's Ed,
1: Ed, Eddie Green is uh,
0: not so good. Eddie and Eddie. Eddie and Eddie. <laughs> uh, Mr. Green will suffer heavy losses in the stock market and owes big, big money to several banks. The family has now returned from overseas and they're living up in Vermont, which I thought was a little kind of meaningless side note. But apparently, Hetty did not get along with her mother-in-law at all. And they fought <laughs> constantly until the mother-in-law died. So- just pictures. And Who you
2: know. got the last laugh, bitch? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Essentially, yeah. It's a, it's a little bit... I like to picture a nice um, uh, uh, everybody loves Raymond kind of a thing going on. <laughs> Deborah. Hetty. <laughs> Hetty, <So, laughs> have you tried not being... <laughs> <laughs> uh, at one point, uh, like we were saying too, it was getting so bad here that the families returned overseas. Hetty actually has to bail her husband out against her father's final wishes prior to the marriage. Not once, not twice, but several times. Yeah. So she's got to bail out her husband because he's not uh, quite as he's not putting in the extra effort that a uh, good old Hetty is known for. So
1: yeah, and he's he's not real as tight fisted as uh, uh, Quaker. He's uh, upbringing might have either. So
0: right, he wasn't afraid to spend the bucks. He's but. actually Episcopalian, which uh, is important because Hetty does convert to that religion. Um, you know, it, 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 to be with him, kind of a thing. So in eighteen eighty five. Edward's business and financial dealings proved so poor that banks would not allow Hetty to transfer her own money. So they're saying, like, "Hey, so it's your money, but right. your husband—he's kind of—he's so behind the times that we can't even work with him right now. And because of that, we can't work with you. It's making you undesirable to work with. And by the way, if we harass you a little bit, we know you're good for it. So maybe you'll just make things right, and then we can go back to business as usual. Right?
1: It's separate accounts, but uh, they weren't." giving her uh, access to her own money until uh, Eddie's accounts were settled. Yeah, it's
0: like when my Chris Buck falls on uh, – my buddy Chris Buck, Rather, really, he falls on hard times. Um, I always have to bail him out because the only time – Netflix goes, hey, you can't use his account until he settles <laughs> up. So I send him
2: a real, little
1: Dogecoin in the mail.
2: Real – is that legal? What went down? It's like it, you can't oh, be going by yeah. today's
1: banking uh, laws standards.
2: Yeah, because – well, now it's very, very different, but like – Oh, because I guess it was individual. They're still
1: out to get you, though. Uh, The banks never lose. (laughs) The
0: the first time I realized that my $100 that went into a bank was not not being touched. Because I was like, oh, you're just going to hang on to it for me, right?
2: Oh, thank you for investing in the bank. And it's gone. Yeah. not South Park
0: always proves right, man. They really do. But uh, in 1885, things have gotten so bad, like we said, that she can't even... She bails them out one last time. 1885. Hedy bails her husband out but never forgives him, and the couple will actually separate. But keynote here will not divorce, probably because uh, the, the, the prenup.
1: <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't allow for that. The Times, we, yeah, nobody got divorced back then. Or so they separate in
0: 1885, ratio. and uh, Hedy's got a brand new bag, baby. So. <laughs> Hetty Green will develop a reputation for being both the queen of Wall Street and then also starts down the curious road of her legendary thriftiness. Hetty would work in a office at a major bank during the day and then live in a boarding house at night. So, that's uh, strange
1: locations here, man. It's yeah, but strange. while she's married to Green, she also has two kids. She has a, a son and a daughter. So, I mean, there Sylvia was- Sylvia and Ned. So, they were able to- uh, um, Consummate. Yeah, there you go.
0: It's worth noting. Allegedly. On that too. So, uh, whereas on one hand, Hetty would be admired by uh, other women- um, due to her fortitude and her desire to make women in the financial world more of a common thing, she's also wildly an epic cheapskate. How epic, listeners at home, you tell me where you guys would draw the line on this one. Word, because he's in the studio with us, we're going to we're going to quiz the Kahuna, if you will. All right? I'm going to quiz the Kahuna here. I don't know how epic um, you would rank the cheapskate or thriftiness here. Okay, um, so uh, Kahuna Hetty Green never paid to turn on the heat. How quickly would you disagree with her?
1: Wait, disagree? Yes. Like, so, did, like is that fact? So turning it's up February stat and yeah. turning on the heat? You didn't argue a couple of degrees. She just didn't turn on the heat. I'm sorry. I'd kill her. <laughs> <laughs> this is
0: also the coon who one time uh, tried to call out of work because the AC went out in his car.
2: <laughs> I did not. <laughs> hey, I drove here, didn't I?
0: <laughs> Well, I mean, at the, let's say this. Let's say maybe you don't want to oh, turn on man. the heat. You can always go take a, a hot shower though, right? To feel yeah. better, right? Wait. What if you refuse to pay
1: for hot water? You can do without hot water. Toughen up, boy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I hot water boil, costs I can, money. You know what? what? It sucks because I, I know exactly. I, it's like, oh, I could just boil water on the stove. I'll be all right. Oh, my God. No, oh, Jesus. Is she that cheap? Well, um,
0: Kahuna, you have you've a wardrobe to you. We've seen you show up sometimes. You got like some uh, some nice boots on, something like that. Maybe you know. Uh, so, but you don't he's have, styling. He's styling. Yeah, he's got that. He has that stuff. a style profile. You lot must be
2: looking at the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> There's many people that look like me, apparently.
0: It's a well. I'll say this: as you were coming across the, we, we spotted you from about a football field away. <laughs> as you were coming, like, oh, Kahuna's here, <laughs> wearing
2: a, wearing a shirt that blended in with the floor too. So I was kind of surprised.
0: Well, imagine if you had that shirt right there, and you had that pair of shorts, mm. and you just wore them every single day, and then finally, when they were falling apart on you and they were tattered rags, then maybe you would think about getting another exact same version of that shirt and that pair of pants.
1: Is this what she did? She's Green. Got, she's worth millions, but she's wearing the same dress.
0: She wore one black time. dress that she would wear every day until it was tattered rags. Yeah. See,
2: now I'm more convinced than ever that she's low-key the inspiration for the Wicked Witch. <sighs> That's sure Yeah,
1: and then I, I read uh, accounts where she would actually get into uh, hissy fits with uh, the maids because if they were going to wash that one dress... She only wanted them to use the soap on the bottom edges of the hem of the dress oh, because- that Wash was, the dirty that, parts. Di- wash the dirty parts. The rest of it, we can, we can get by with, and we can save money on, on soap.
2: I'm so sorry. This one must have stunk. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but she wasn't, uh, well- it Smell like money? <laughs> 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 oh, it's man.
0: not
2: easy, being yeah. Green.
0: Yeah. She would not wash her hands,
2: <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> in 1885, that's even worse.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um, oh man. There's a couple other legendary ones. She also rode in an old carriage herself instead of a new. Which, by the way, that's the first time I ever really put together why we call them cars—horseless carriages, carriages. Horseless car. Yeah. Horseless carriage. Carriage. Car. Went yeah.
1: Horseless carriage. Went that's the, the first car. time I ever
0: figured out there's no other word for car. Yeah. <laughs> there's no use for it. It's just a shortening <laughs> of something else. Welcome to the English language.
1: Yeah. Good so. stuff. Not an um, English major.
0: Imagine Elon Musk uh, showing up to give like uh, some big presentation about uh, you know the, the the great new things going on over at Tesla, but he pulls up in like an '89 Honda hatchback with a like a chain steering wheel. It's a <laughs> so <laughs> lots a of things going on here. <laughs> oh my god! So one story, by the way, of her
2: legendary we'll call it cheapness, I guess. I do love that on the Wikipedia page. Reputation is a whole section in of itself. Oh, this is where Green's it, thriftiness was legendary. This is it where you starts. fall
0: in love with her a little yeah. bit. Uh, so one story insinuates that Green spent hours once, an entire evening, looking for a stamp that she lost inside of her carriage that was worth two cents. Yeah,
1: so you're gonna you're gonna spend the rest of the night looking through uh, everything to try to find that two cent stamp. Oh if yeah,
2: there was ever a case for affluenza.
1: She's got it. She certainly got
0: it. Now, eventually, instead of an office, Hetty will just have trunks of paperwork that she carries around with her from business dealing to business dealing so that she can set up her office in your bank. So, imagine she comes in here and she goes, so listen, I don't want to rent any of your equipment here in the studio, Kahuna. I've brought all my own equipment, so I'm just going to set it up right here. I'm just going to use your space. Is that okay? Yeah, you know, I'm re- well, I don't know. Do we do we charge for this space? No, you don't use this because you need me because I'm always here. because my own-
1: money is in your banks and your vaults, so yep. I'm, a, I'm a large part of uh, your net worth. Um, the one that got me, though, that was really kind of creepy telling um, is that her son – is a 14-year-old oh, kid, <laughs> right? So, you got a 14-year-old boy- Ned. who you Ned, who is involved with a sledding accident. So, he's out sleigh riding and he gets involved with a sledding accident and bangs up his knee pretty badly. Okay. She spends- Kahuna's look is horror on a, his face right now. An inordinate amount of time going from trying to find a free clinic to take the kid to to fix up his leg and- they actually go to a free clinic, but she's recognized and is, you know, asked Throne
2: to pay. the fuck out. Pay, pay, <laughs> pay for
1: services or get out. Um, and she refuses to pay for the for the medical services and decides that she's going to take care of the the uh, the injury herself. Uh, the kid's leg then gets to become gangrenous, and he has to have his leg amputated.
2: It's not easy being green.
1: Yeah, walk it off. (laughs) Holy cheap! So he went through the rest of his life with a a prosthesis.
2: You know how I knew that was going to be bad because it's not often you lead with.
1: (laughs) I was this was creeping me out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to uh, scrimp and save on yourself, but now you're taking it out. You know, taking it out on On your your kids and everything else too. That you're not going to pay for uh medical services to fix up the kid's leg to the point where it's now did anyone
2: ever like figure like ever think to try and figure out like maybe suggest therapy like uh, (laughs) (laughs) well if you you
0: picked uh you pulled up a couple of pictures of her and she's uh she's definitely got a creepy look to her she's uh um
2: she's a painting in the haunted mansion yeah, yeah she's
0: a little dead behind the eyes um and, uh, definitely dresses in a dour fashion. She probably did stink a little bit too, you know? Um, see,
2: that's wild that you say that because literally in this picture, you don't, like, whenever you see a picture of somebody that has lighting in it, you always see the, like, the little glimmer in their eye. And and even in cinema, they relate that to, like, a soul. There's nothing in this photo.
1: Jesus. Yeah. Uh, well, the whole black dress thing, eventually her husband, uh, Edward Green, I don't know if I'm going out of order with no, you, Kev, but uh, Edward Green dies. And then uh, again, at the Times, you would wear a black dress, a mourning dress um, for, for the Times. But she just continued on long after her husband's passing. She's still in that same freaking black dress until, you know, literally was falling off of her kind of a thing that. Uh, uh, then well maybe we're going to have to go out and buy another dress. But uh.
0: and she was very aware of her nickname as the witch of Wall Street. I think she even made a comment about it where she goes, uh, "Because I dress plainly, they say I'm cranky or insane."
2: Look at this picture I found. This is a painting someone did.
0: Yeah, for real. There's the wheel in the background too, which I don't know why I associate that with um, the Wizard of Oz. The the, do. the 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 bike. Probably yeah, that yeah. makes sense. The um, now she's actually uh, she's such a character. Downtown here that uh, she's even made as a literary reference by the uh, the famous O. Henry, more than a candy bar here. But uh, O. Henry, the famous author of A uh, Gift of the Magi and uh, numerous other works, has a reference in there where one of his female characters who's considered to be like a, a miserly kind of well-off woman. Um, her line is, I'm not heady even if I do look green, which essentially the way that uh, the, that's supposed to be interpreted is uh, – I ain't as rich as you think, but I'm not dumb either. So um, now her local celebrity image is a complex, very complex, almost as complex as the woman herself. Hetty knew this and is quoted like we said again, I dress plainly and they say I'm cranky or insane. If wearing the same dress every day is crazy, imagine how wild anyone is who thinks that the city of New York isn't corrupt. The city finance has gotten so bad at one point during a crisis known as the Panic of 1907 which was a very epic Wall Street plunge. I think it plunged like 50% in one day yeah, or something like it that. it took a dive. And it was – I mean, people are scared shitless. If you look up the panics that go throughout this country, there's always something. You're like, Jesus Christ, it came that close to – I've heard it said this kind of way too. We use socialism to bail out capitalism in this country. So it's, well, the government will pay for that. or The, gov- the government also would be like, oh, so we got these crazy debts. Let's pay off some – let's sell off the land that we own. And they just did that until they don't own land anymore. But – um Anyway, this panic of 1907, it beats up the city budget itself so bad that the city, the city of New York, the Empire State, <laughs> all right?
1: Yeah. The, the Big Apple. The capital of uh, world commerce.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, you can make it here. You can make it anywhere. Forget about it. They said, uh, hey, Hedy, um, can you please give us a loan for $1.1 million uh, just, you know, to keep the city afloat? And Hetty goes, all right. I mean, I'll... I'll give it to you, but I'm going to want it paid back with this amount of interest in this specific form. And uh, Hetty bails out the city of New York with her own pocketbook.
2: What? Yes.
0: Yeah, write a check. Same thing will happen with the United States whenever they're in a little bit of trouble uh, around this time frame. that uh, Teddy Roosevelt goes, uh, uh, get JP Morgan in here and tell him <laughs> yeah. to bring his fucking checkbook. That's right. So. <laughs> That's why Teddy was so great, too, because if they said no to him. He goes, oh, well, I guess we'll just have to take the government and start breaking apart all your monopolies. Um, how much – who should I make it out to? <laughs> so, Hetty Green is now bankrolling the entire city of New York, her own frugality and her choice to live as miserly as possible. Like we said, cost her her son's leg. That's a pretty gross story. <laughs> um, but Hetty was not welcomed, nor did she desire to carry on among the elites of the city. Because that, that was a whole thing. If you were an elite person – you'd hang out, there'd be the nightlife, right? You'd be partying all, all night, Great Gatsby style and then sleeping away most of the day and then just hoping that your money was making more money for you during the day. Hetty didn't care about the nightlife. She literally is pretty much having said that she got off on uh, making money. So, it was that, that that Wolf of Wall Street thing. She's Matthew McConaughey beating her chest. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, man. He, that that character a descendant, Then Jesus Christ. She <laughs> really
0: is. She's super – this is what gets her – this is why she wakes up in the morning and puts on her not laundered underwear underneath her tattered dress. Oh. and Gets out there and makes <laughs> some money. <laughs> so – like we said, not welcomed into uh, um, the New York City nightlife here at all either. So there's no great Gatsby moments for her. She believed in discreet charity and avoided the fanfare of the NYC upper class. Hedy's reputation on the investment world or in the investment world, I should say, shows the slow and steady wins the race mindset over the day trading, multiple times rich but potentially several times bankrupt policies of one of the mavericks of investment and uh, Wall Street uh, you know, nonsense, if you will. Jesse Livermore.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: Jesse Livermore, pretty interesting guy. But uh, anyway, he gets through his shit. Um, and the problem is he'll make a million dollars, but then he'll lose two million dollars like a week later. So that's why Jesse Livermore is fascinating this way. However, Hetty just never loses. She understands compound interest. She's being pretty smart about this stuff. She's following uh, just like my daddy taught me and his daddy taught me before him. And she's doing good shit over here, man. Um Teddy would also force her daughter's eventual husband to sign a prenuptial agreement to protect her from gold diggers. Okay. Her daughter would marry into the Astor family. Yeah, and they, got still, a, they got a couple of books. Yeah, the Astor fortune. I don't know if you've heard of that. We're talking about one of the – imagine this, Kahuna. Imagine that – okay. Uh, imagine Schwarzenegger telling Maria Shriver that she has to sign a prenup. You, I just don't want you touching any of my Terminator money. And she goes, you realize I'm a Kennedy, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but I just, I can't risk it. You know, my Hetty Green, she had a good example, but... (laughs) Oh um, my God! So yeah, eventually,
1: well, Hetty just did for her daughter what her daddy did for her, and it's uh, the truth. Trying to protect the the family money. And- so the Aster that she allows to marry her daughter is worth two
0: million in his own right. So then Hetty's like, all right, that's probably enough that he's not going to start sniffing around the money. I'm going to give my daughter.
2: Oh, so she gives a shit when it's about that, but when it's your leg, guy, oh, you can have that amp your- walk, take,
0: it it off. walk it, it off. All.
2: Right,
0: yeah. right. <laughs> So, Don't be a Walk it off. Hetty's penchant for all things cheap would see her move to New Jersey eventually to avoid New York, uh, I believe it was estate taxes or real Where? estate.
1: Yeah, well, she well, kept she on taking- around. she around. She bounced around and um, she had a, a, in Harlem Heights, she had a, a, a flat. She was not buying any big houses or mansions or anything. She's buying like small- Flats, apartments, type of a thing. And she'd be jumping around. One day she's in Harlem Heights, the next day she's over in- Oh,
2: so she's in Lakewood. She's- uh,
1: Close. (laughs) In Hoboken, New Jersey, uh, and jumping around. And uh, one of the reasons that it's speculated as to why she's jumping around and renting all these cheap places, because if you're jumping around, you really can't establish a permanent residency and then the tax man is not going to come after you. So if some days she's in Hoboken, some days she's over in Brooklyn, some days she's here there and everywhere, where what is her primary residence? And the tax man is, you know, they've now enacted laws to prevent this from happening, but that was Hetty's attempt I mean, she to gained
2: uh, the system. I can't be mad at right, that. Right. <laughs> like
1: but to, to the, the point Rolling where stone. you know you're you're worth millions upon millions of dollars and you're living in a one room flat kind of a thing that that uh, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me.
2: Gangster gotta recognize gangster. She's
1: interesting in that regard too.
0: Uh, now I'm going to set you up here. I want you to do the Jersey connection last, Dad. Is that okay? You know yeah, what I'm talking fine. about? All right, awesome. So I want to sum up her life here if you can. Um, so here you go. Hetty will
1: finally pass away at age 81. Yeah, well, let's just let's just back that up a little bit. She does take care of her her, her son and Eventually. her daughter. Yeah, that uh, she grubstakes them. the, the son. I don't want to give away the last thing with him though either. The one-legged son. Uh, <laughs> she buys him Stumpy. a a near bankrupt uh, um, railroad in Texas, and he he gets the hell out of New York City and away from away from mom and kind of does his own thing. On his own accord. And he's, he's, um, Imagine good his with girlfriend himself. He,
0: he, he have to ask his first girlfriend, like, hey, so if, uh, if I broke my leg, like, you take me to a doctor, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, well, think he
2: got, you think he got knee pain every time his mom showed up? Like- <laughs>
0: wouldn't shock me. Now, to her credit, Hetty also was cheap on her own medical care as well. She'd rather play nurse to her kids or nurse to herself than go to a, a doctor. Um, she had a hernia that, it was cheaper for her every morning no. to use a stick
1: to push it back
2: oh, in. No! <laughs> oh, no! What the fuck?
1: You don't need a doctor. You just need a good stick. <laughs> yeah. Push that bad Not ass! My hernia off. stick.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hernia stick. Oh, good lord!
1: Yeah, hernia it's... truss, hernia stick, whatever, whatever <laughs> works for you. Keep going, though, sir, because we're going to kill
0: her off here, and we killed her off in the opening sense, but now we got to explain how she finally passed away. Well, her by. son.
1: I was just going to say her her son Edward or Ned as he goes by. Um, goes off to uh, Texas and kind of does well for himself there. But and he's he's a party guy. He likes he likes to have a good time. Doesn't mind spending a buck. Both kids um, did not inherit her thriftiness. They said there's you got to enjoy life a little bit here. Yeah. I'm not going
0: to be pushing my hernias back. I guess in every when your mother refuses
1: open. to uh, fix your leg, uh, that that might have a, an effect on you. And yeah, your you know what?
2: Good for him. To be honest. <laughs> Like he was still able to make the most of a bad situation.
1: Yeah, and 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 the daughter, uh, um, Harriet Silva, um, um, she marries uh, Matthew. Sylvia is what her name is, right? Silva, yeah, Yeah. but uh, Sylvia, get it right. Sylvia, all right. Yeah, okay. You you called her. She she went she went by the the middle name Sylvia. Correct. Full name was Harriet Sylvia. Okay. But anyhow, uh, the daughter Sylvia does marry. an Astor um descendant he's a great grandson of a uh, america's first millionaire um john jacob Astor. but uh, she, the daughter gets married when she's 38 years old and he, she's marrying a 63 year old uh, Astor uh, uh descendant if you will so i mean <laughs> was this a uh, a love match who who the heck knows but uh, i guess by the time, uh, you're, by the time you're 38, mom still hasn't allowed you to marry anybody that's worthy. I guess the 63 year old uh, Astor descendant was uh, is, was deemed uh, worthy. And where do they get married? Morristown, New Jersey. There it is. <laughs> so there's a there's a loose New Jersey connection that her daughter was married in Morristown. But mm. anyhow, we're back to uh, back to Hetty. Um,
0: He's dead. Now she also had a lifelong fear of being poisoned. That was like so a little bit of her affluenza kicking in there, if you will. That she was always afraid she was going to get poisoned. And uh, like we said, I mean, you saw what he did for. What, you saw what she did for a hernia. Imagine what you know she would do. Oh, I better not drink any water. I don't know where it came from. You know, um, her cause of death will actually
1: be. Uh, I'm going to screw this up. Apoplexy. Apoplexy, which is uh, well, back then it was any. Internal bleeding, apoplexy now would probably be um, more than likely a, a heart attack.
0: Uh huh. And she has this while arguing with her maid over the virtues of skim milk. Yeah. Well, it's a little cheaper than uh, regular <laughs> You know, if you really Mr. get the skim uh-huh. milk, it's good for you too, because, you know, maybe I have internal
2: bleeding right now, you know? <laughs> oh, <laughs> this woman lived to be 81. Wow. It's a decent Which run, even crazy then. Crazy, even back then. And like you said, Dad,
0: her uh, her kids get to enjoy the money a little bit more than her. When Hetty dies, she will donate over 1.5 million to local charities and hospitals. But the remaining money will go to her two children. Hetty is actually buried in Vermont next to her husband. The two had reconciled and spent more time together later on in her life. Hetty's daughter Sylvia will outlive her brother Ned. Ned, when he passes away, has this cool little uh, kind of laboratory, kind of a a. a Collection, a little bit of a clubhouse, kind of a picture of man cave, but for a guy who enjoyed science <laughs> and automotive engineering and stuff like that, and a Tesla exploration. Cave. A, it's he's got a little bit of a bat cave going on here,
1: and it's in Round Hill, Massachusetts. Yeah, now you want to take. Pick- I take a peek at the pictures of the the house that he has built. It's, it's, Coons,
2: can you bring those up? It's not, real quick? A, it's not a. That's mankind. what I was looking at. Yeah, no. oh, that place was at. crazy looking. <laughs> yeah. Hold up. So that's
0: Round Hill, Massachusetts. Now Sylvia, the the sister, after her brother passes away, will donate that uh, little facility over there. She oh, he was Batman. <laughs> so yeah, pretty much a little bit of a. Now it, it's even crazier too because here we go. You guys thought we were we weren't going to be able to do it. We tied in New Jersey already, so we're due for a good reception here. Um they will donate Roundhill, Massachusetts, in his honor, in Ned's honor, uh, to a little school called the Massachusetts Institute for Technology, MIT. All right. And in MIT, there will uh MIT will discover that they have these high powered radios, these yeah, state kind of the Ned was
1: a big time ham radio operator that uh his his home his home set, if you will, was probably one of the most powerful ones in the country.
0: How powerful, folks? <laughs> How powerful do you ask? Well, it was used to keep in touch in Roundhill, Massachusetts during the Antarctic – I'm sorry, the Arctic explorations of Loserception, Admiral Byrd.
1: Yeah. Wow. So the yep. Byrd expedition could touch base or call home uh, – E.T. call home uh, via the the Roundhill uh, – the fact radio this, situation.
2: The mansion is still there.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's all part of MIT now. Well, we're still learning about her unorthodox but orthodox styles here
0: too. She's a pretty fascinating woman, Lawrence Patrick. She has maybe a little. Uh, we, we were trying to figure this out. We we do. We really do try our damnedest to be historically accurate on this show. Sometimes we're able to do it with ease. Other times we really we have to write a goddamn term paper. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And other times we have the information so conflicting we have to decide where we draw the line of truth. Right so i found something in there that she had a mansion still standing in new jersey okay you found a little bit more
1: yeah well um she owned property in englewood new jersey uh on six acres and it definitely was a mansion englewood at that time uh there was some very large dollars some very uh influential well-financed people living in englewood new jersey uh if you remember the um uh, the Lindbergh uh, kidnapping kind of a thing. Uh, Charles Lindbergh's father-in-law was a morrow and he lived in Englewood, New Jersey. So, there was some definite heavy hitters. Yeah. Anyhow, Are you telling
0: me Bergen County thought they were better
1: than everyone else? <laughs> Is that what you're telling me, dad? Well, Englewood, New Jersey, uh, she owned this six-acre mansion. Now, I was not able to find out whether she ever lived in it or not. It could be that it was just a bank foreclosure or or who the heck knows, but she owned this property in Englewood and upon her uh, passing, um, that was given um, to the Actors uh, uh, actors, uh, Fund home. So um, it was really a a retirement home for entertainment uh, people and actors. Um, oh, wow. And that was set up in in Englewood on property that one time belonged to uh, Hetty Green. Um, that original building was demoed in 1959. So it was given, I guess, upon her death uh, and was used for, uh, as I say, a, a like nursing home, old age home type thing. Um, the original mansion was demoed in 59, a new facility was built in 61. And there's been a number of different uh, additions uh, to that uh, initial uh, gift, if you will, in Englewood. Originally, that uh, Actors Fund home, and there was a lot of uh, famous and near-famous uh, movie actor and uh, entertainers that ended their final days in, in this home. Um, it was pretty a neat, pretty neat thing, but... Again, it's just one one more little New Jersey connection, but um, that was uh, that was Hetty, good old Hetty. So uh,
0: if you wanted to pay attention to her and you realize you're not going to get rich overnight, but you can make some good money if you're willing to do the slow and steady thing, then Hetty is the girl you need to be talking to. All right, her orthodox but unorthodox style of living and investing is what led to give her the nickname of the Witch of Wall Street, entered her into the history books as the world's greatest miser.
1: I mean holy shit. I think Yeah, we, that was the uh the um yeah, the Guinness Book of Records. Guinness the World List, Book of Records. Oh, like her. she
2: actually has the record. Yeah, she yeah. had the
1: record, absolutely.
0: She's a little cheap. How cheap is she? Do you see that plaque on the wall from Guinness? <laughs> <laughs> right. No,
2: the the, the real answers.
1: Yeah. She was cheap. How cheap was she? Yes. Indeed, man. She um, was a she was conflicted for sure back and forth because uh again, she she did all of this as a woman back in the time when you know, nobody, no other female was even anywhere close. Uh, American Heritage um, did a listing, and this is a little bit dated, it was back in 1998. So there's been a couple of additions and deletions to this list, but American Heritage did a list of the 40 richest Americans of all time. 39 of them were men. And then you had Miss Hetty Hetty. Green. (laughs) So, yeah, she was uh, she was up there with uh, some other, you know, heavy hitters for uh, financial wealth. That's for sure. So, ladies, if you're looking for someone to be an inspiration, there you go.
0: Get rid of all your clothes. No more accessories. All right. right. Maybe maybe leave the hot water off next time you hop in the shower, and you too can wind up just like Hetty Green, American loser.